Hello and welcome to this very special episode of the Academy All-Stars, the Bestseller Academy, where we have with us the absolutely wonderful Kate Baker, who we're delighted to have. Hello, Kate. How are you doing? Oh, God, I'm fine, Mark. Thank you. So excited to be here. Well, we're very excited to have you, aren't we, Mark? We are indeed. I mean, Kate is a star, an all-star of our academy, uh, and it's been amazing seeing her story, seeing her, her go from you know joining the academy to her book, which is out now, Made of Steel. Uh, but let's let's we'll do a little bit of history. Let's 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 talk about where where it all started for you, uh, Kate. Life before the academy. What were your what were your big challenges with writing and, and publishing? I actually hadn't been writing for oh, probably since those diaries when I was 13 and they were dreadful. And one day I'm going to read them out loud on something because they're so bad. However, I, I started writing about six years ago, maybe seven, maybe, maybe five or six years ago. And I was on a self-esteem course, actually. And a playwright came to visit us and she wanted to talk to some people on a self-esteem course to find out what had taken them there. So it was really scary, but it was exactly it was really important. So we we're all doing therapy writing, blah, blah, blah. And three or four weeks later, I thought, I enjoyed that. I'm going to see if I can do some of this writing lark. And I'd started reading books again after 20 years of not reading because of family and children and all the rest of it. And I know some people actually read books during that time to relax, but I was doing stuff on the farm and everything. I just didn't. So I joined the RNA, the Romantic Novelist Association, because I did like romance novels. And I had three fabulous years of attending courses, and learning, I say learning, I think learning to write is a bit like learning to drive. You, you take your lessons, you pass your test, but you don't really learn to drive until that examiner and instructor is not sitting with you. Yeah. Then you learn to drive. And it was the same with all these courses. I did. Um, I would come back with notes and it's like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And you put them away and the instructor's not there. And suddenly you sit down to write a scene and you're like, well, is this working? And there's no one to ask. And it's only when you start accumulating the scenes and writing in that way and then submitting. And then the feedback comes back or you don't get anywhere in a competition or your submission doesn't lead to a, re a request for the full, something like that. And that's really you're learning to, to write. So obviously it was always going to be a long process. And um, I learned, I did learn a lot with the RNA. I didn't um, renew my membership a year or so ago because I started writing science fiction and things like that. So, um, but yeah, so I was doing courses and assuming I would go down the traditional route. I'm the wrong side of 50. So I thought the only way to publish was find myself an agent. They would find myself a publishing deal and off I'd go, obviously. But it wasn't quite as simple as that. Um, um, you know, with the second book I wrote, this manuscript, I did get more agent interest, but it, it still wasn't hitting the mark at that point for them. And what I found I was doing was I was writing for agents because each one-to-one -one I'd have, I'd get feedback and it would be really interesting, completely different from the previous one. And I'd be like, right, come on now, let's interest them. Let's, let's hook the next agent. And I'd forget I was writing for the ultimate audience, which is the reader. Mm, and I went further a, and further down that sort of road. Do you know what I mean? And I yeah, just very all the time my husband in the background is going, self-publish, you run your own business, for God's sake, self-publish. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I can't possibly do that. No, I need an agent, you know. Well, I want to ask you about that, Kate, because one of the things I found absolutely fascinating about your journey is there are so many people out in the world that want to write, but their biggest reason or excuse, you know, for not writing is they're too busy. They don't have enough time. Tell us a bit about the 
the things that you do in the rest of your rest of your day. And I'm particularly fascinated in how you have, with all the things that you have to do, you know, on the farm and and others that you're going to tell us, how you find the time for your learning of your craft and your actual writing. So tell us a bit about your background. Such a good question, this, because it's something that I'm permanently thinking about. And I try to do goals and I'm going to write from 7am till 9am and all of that. And I listen to people who do it. I think, right, they can do it. I can do it. I think the first the first answer I can give you to how do I mix it in is by being ultra flexible. I mean, even us today, we were going to start at a certain time to chat. We didn't. That's fine. I rushed out and did something else and ticked a box of that other. So I have, you know, I do farm accounts and I'm the sort of the farm secretary for my father-in-law. So he comes along. He doesn't have a computer or even a smartphone. So when he needs to do an email, he comes along and I'm little. So I have to if he if he pulls up on the driveway and I'm halfway between hanging a rug out and making lunch, I have to stop all that and go and do the email. So I'm literally juggling all the balls all day long. And I quite like that. I, I've, I've learned that that suits me. So like when you said, can we start 20 minutes later? Yeah, no problem. I'll go and hang three rugs up, put four more on. That That is that job progressed. I love a bit of progression. Keep them all going. So I also don't do any fitness, I'd just like to say. <laughs> Since writing, I've put on two, two and a half stone. Um, and I did do, a, I did do a, a Pilates session two weeks ago. It went quite well, but I don't think Cirque du Soleil are going to ring me anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think things, certain things have to go. And so my, my dreams of joining a, drill, a gym or going to do swimming once a week, they had to go because you can't do everything. Do you know what's funny, though? One of our Academy members had the same issue and what they decided to do is they started to learn about narration and then they would start walking and speaking their book wow so there's all kinds of all kinds of ways you can you're right it. but but you're you're the master at that because you're you're running you've got us i mean can i call it a side business or a main business or a side hustle and you've got writing you're you're going out into the world with your book now you you know you're you're working and living on a farm so you're a great inspiration to people who think oh i don't have the time so you 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 kind of work your writing around the business of your day but would you say you typically always manage to do something during yeah. the day I, I, the, I also do you think, think that's the key yes i do i think also since joining the academy and listening to you guys on the weekly podcast and back listening to every episode since day one is you just immerse yourself in the writing world. So even when you're doing the farm accounts or driving to pick up some attractive path or something, I am thinking about the plot. I am thinking about the uh, marketing that I have yet to do or what I'm going to do, or it's ju I'm just a diff in a head different headspace now than I was three or four years ago. And I'm absolutely loving it because everywhere I go, there are snippets of ideas that I can add to my present plot or think about a future. I went to see that film, um, All Quiet on the Western Front, oh. last week for my husband's 50th. Phenomenal. But I'm sitting there absolutely glued, thinking, ah, oh, that's good. And I can't see to write and in this dim light. <laughs> I'm just getting, I'm just in that zone the whole time. I don't even mind sitting in a traffic jam queue anymore because I'm thinking I can just quickly pick up a pen and, and do something. I do take my um, lined pad and a pen to, if Edward says, oh, it's raining, I need to go and get a so-and-so, it's going to be a two-hour trip, do you want to come? I can dump all the rugs, close the door, go with him, but I've always got my pad. 
So I'm doing little scene ideas, dialogue. So there's always something. So it's mixing, keeping those balls juggling and just mixing, but being flexible um, is, and I never worry about the word should. You know how sometimes you look back and you wanted to achieve something, whether it's a bit of writing or a bit of shopping or a bit of cooking or I don't know, and you say, oh, I should have done that by now. I learned from Sophie Hannah a long time ago that the word should should be actually eradicated because there is no such thing as should. Something is going to take the time, the length of time it's going to take. And if we weren't, if we didn't spend that period of time from when we thought we were going to do it to didn't achieve it, doing something else, it's because that something else needed to take our headspace up. So I, I do try and always think positively about progression of any project I'm doing. And then it stops you. You don't end up shooting all over yourself as well. So, <laughs> oh no! Oh, you were doing so well there, Kate, and you had to do with it. <laughs> look, let's um, let's talk about. I mean, you mentioned a self-esteem course there, and then I look at you online. You've got this amazing skill. You're promoting your books. You're doing the unboxing videos. You're on the radio. You're doing bookstore. I'm going to see you at Dis on Saturday, by the way. Doing bookstore signings. You got. This is amazing stuff. You, you're putting yourself out there front and centre. Was Is there any fear with that? How do you get through that fear? Are you enjoying it? Tell, tell us about the whole promotional side of things. Yeah, there is fear sometimes. I mean, did you see my post before I went into BBC Radio Suffolk two weeks ago? I was literally <laughs> filming the blood, um, the my heartbeat. It went up from like 78 to 100. I thought I was going to spontaneously combust before I went into the studio. But I didn't. And I often say to myself as I'm building towards the time where I'm going to do something really scary, what is the worst that's going to happen, really? What yeah, is yeah, the yeah. real worst? Because once you start, and, even you know, today, it's a sort of a, a nervous energy excitement rather than total fear. It's a sort of a, and I remember that feeling when I used to do Andram before I was married. I was a member of two, two drama groups and they were just local village stuff, lots of fun. But when you're, you know, behind that curtain dressed as God knows whom, about to go out, you, your heart's jumping out of your chest. But the audience don't know that. So you just bluff it. You know, you slow your words down and you smile and you deliver your words, or in this case, answer the question. <laughs> so, yes, there is fear, but also I think practice helps. I've been doing this now for, I mean, do you remember how I said on the Academy how I was terrified before that first Steve Gowland interview on that Saturday night lesson? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. so lovely and so gentle with me. It was great. But now I sort of recognise the feelings that are going to come. And I just, I think practice really helps. So the more you do it, the easier it gets. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. It's a really good, it's a really good reminder to everyone that, you know, it's a bit like bungee jumping, isn't it? That first time. The thought of throwing yourself off that ledge and just going headfirst downwards is the most ridiculous idea. But when you know that you've got that safety net, you've got that thing that pulls you back up. And then the second time, you're not having to worry about the, the first time fears of anything anymore. And that is the overwhelming fear often. It's the overwhelming of the unknown of like, I, will I, I survive? I also think, Mark, when you've done it once, whether it's a, a radio interview or a Q&A session or a book signing, she says, like, you know, I think you get to the other side and you've you reap the reward. You have that sense of achievement. You've perhaps had people come up to you who said, I love this cover. I know the cover's not mine, but we'll bypass that. Um, 
the fact that it's there is yours, you know? And I think you get to the side and you think, I want more of that. I want a bit more of that. So even that unboxing video, yeah, I've done a few little videos for my horse rug cleaning clients and stuff in the past. And I usually had some sort of feedback saying, God, you're so scatty and funny. And and that and that's great. I don't mind being known as scatty and funny because that is just me. That is my normal day, you know? So yeah, <laughs> that- I think getting to the other side and achieving something and, and then and then rewarding yourself by saying, yeah, I can do that again. That's another. If you yeah. never do it, if you never jump off that, I haven't done a bungee jump, but if you never do that, you're never going to know, are you? Yeah, yeah. And I've got to say, when I watched your unboxing video, it was one of my favourite unboxing videos I've ever seen, purely because you're just being yourself and you're in this joy of this moment and you're not trying to be someone you're not. You're just, you're just being completely open and honest and having fun and not taking things yeah, too seriously. I did that. And- weird i just remember that was the first time i'd seen the font on paper why on earth should it have had that effect on me because (laughs) i'd seen it i'd read it had i not in the proofs so i knew exactly what it should look like but i think when you open the book for the first time and you see words that you've written and in fact it's so alien to you that you think did i even write that you know three years ago (laughs) two years ago and then it's it blew me away and it was it was a really nice moment to share with the people that had helped me get there so I, I was very very proud to be able to share that so yeah that it was, was very raw emotion yeah let's let's talk about the we haven't talked about the book let's talk about made of steel tell us about made of steel I mean I know all about it because I've read it and loved it yes but, yes uh... thank you for your helpful <laughs> comments um made of steel well that was great uh four years ago for my 50th well in May um we went, my my friend Hannah and I went for a girly weekend. We just chose a city break, put a pin in a mat, chose Cork. And mm. below Cork is um, Cove, which in 1911 and 12, when Titanic left there, was called Queenstown. So it was before mm. the Irish and English had separated in there. And this museum was really inspirational. I hated history at school, but I love history now. Mm. We went back to the Airbnb. Hannah opened a bottle of wine and I opened my notepad. Said, imagine if there was a woman that came back from New York to see where her grandmother came from. And I wrote that sentence down exactly as I've just said it. And that, and I've even got a photo of the pen and that sentence. And that is the first sentence, the first idea for Made of Steel. We came home from that weekend. I carried on thinking about it. I used Save the Cat to do a proper plot because that first book I, I wrote uh, took 18 months to do a first draft because I worried about what colour jumper they were going to wear on page 17. <laughs> Whereas this time I know, I knew, knew now that you have to do a first draft and just get it out. So I planned it all summer, went into Nano Rhino in November and typed 54,000 words in 24 days. I, I haven't done it since, by the way. But it was amazing. I had it all plotted. I knew roughly it wasn't it. So... Yes, it was a rubbish first draft, but it existed and then began the rewrites, etc. My first big edit, I thought, I'm sitting down to edit and I took photos of myself in the garden, put them on Instagram. <laughs> I'm editing! What I was doing was fiddling about with words. It wasn't until I sent it off for a proper critique um, that I actually, in fact, lost two characters, changed the ending, changed the beginning, did a proper, proper rewrite. Um, it probably had few more rewrites and then it then I joined bestseller experiment and Mark you did wonders with with it as well so then it had the final rewrite and then we discussed it didn't we and still my husband's been in the background all this time saying when are you just going to do this yourself (laughs) and then when you said you did say 
in our one-to-one, you know, you could probably find an agent with this if you keep going, you know, this long job, but you probably could. But equally, you could just as easily go off and have some fun with it while you write the next one. And I took your words to heart, as you know, to the point where, I know you don't want to look at my nostril, but I am having fun with it. (laughs) Earrings, fantastic. Earrings, earrings, nails, they're still just about (laughs) hanging in there. I love it. I have had such good fun with this book. I went off and I thought, right, I don't know how to self-publish. I'm going to find one of those sort of people that will help me. And I found Troubadour. And they have two arms. One is Matador self-publishing completely. And the other arm is the Book Guild. Yeah. And if they like your story, they offer partnership projects to 10% of the books that they get. And I fell in that 10%. They offered me a partnership detail. Um, and for the last year, I've worked with them. And their designer is responsible for that. I mean, I they said, have you got an idea for the cover? I said, well, I'd quite like a nod to Brooklyn Bridge, because the story opens on Brooklyn Bridge. And I quite like a nod to Titanic, who makes a cameo appearance towards the end. Mm. And I'd like it, um, and my daughter was the one that said, play with the spelling of made. Because my my sort of little pitch for this was, what do Titanic, Brooklyn Bridge, and a suffragette have in common? They're mm. all made of steel. Made of steel, very good. Excellent. And then it was the daughter yeah. that said, "Yeah, but play with the word M A D E and make it made." And I was like, "Oh, yes, yeah, clever." <laughs> the publishers will probably want to change it. I thought, and they they never did. Oh, wow. And it's then they added cover. they added the seagull, which is very very key. There's a big scene towards the middle of the book with the seagull, and of course we've got the Irish shamrock in there, yeah. and that was their idea, and I just loved it. And I remember when I saw this in November. I just bawled my eyes out, you can imagine, and said, I don't want to change a thing. And it has it has really drawn people. So, and I've now got 35 Amazon reviews. I, when oh I get to gosh. 50, I'm going to have another facial. That's my aim. Fantastic. <laughs> well, we always talk about milestones in the Academy, don't we? So I'm loving that you're, 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 you're always there, just the next thing that you're going to be reaching and something to celebrate around this. So, so important. Brilliant stuff. And I, I just think the whole thing has to be a positive experience. You know uh, Monsters, Inc.? And Mike, yeah. the green eye. Yeah. And when he when he ends up on the front of that magazine, oh, and there's a label advert in the front of him, and everyone's going, oh, no. And he's Mark like... goes over his face. <laughs> I know. And everyone's waiting for him to go, oh, fucker. And he's like, I'm on the cover of a magazine. That's how I feel. <laughs> I, I am not comparing my journey to anyone else. I'm not comparing the number of views I've got to anyone else. This is me, my book, and I'm doing all sorts of daft stuff. Like <laughs> Brandon Toblerone. I'm so annoyed I didn't think of that myself. <laughs> Wait, you know, Mr. Stay, Mr. Stay, you will have a chance to win this. This is going to be a prize along with a signed copy on Saturday at Disc Publishing. They're going to put names in the hat as they come through the door, or, or probably a raffle ticket, and then whoever name gets pulled out gets that. For anyone not watching, uh Kate has just held up a, a very large Toblerone bar, actually probably one of my top five chocolates, with the title Made of Steel actually written on it in the Toblerone font. Absolutely brilliant. Jeez. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, That's I'm having amazing. a lot of fun. Oh, this is brilliant. Now, tell us tell us a bit about the journey, because you've been with the Academy now for, oh, I can't even remember, a year and a half? Yeah, so I think it was year. August 21. Yeah. Now, tell us tell us about the journey since you joined the academy where have you seen yourself grow most as a writer i think 
majority has been around my confidence. So I did the self-esteem and I started writing, but it wasn't until I joined you guys or it, it started to build as I listened to you. As I, as I was thinking I might apply to join, I was thinking these guys, it's quite rare in the writing world to find an, an organisation or a unit of writing people that treat everyone as equals. And that's what you guys did. You'd speak mm-hmm. one week, you'd be speaking to Joanne Harris. And the next week, you'd be speaking to somebody who self-published their first book. And you gave the same amount of enthusiasm to both people. And believe you me, that, that doesn't happen very often. So first of all, I thought these guys would be actually really nice to work with and learn from. So when I started joining, or when I did obviously apply and got in and started looking at all the course content, it was, I just think being able to join in on the Wednesday craft coaching or your live coaching, Mark, once a month, and then seeing all the other the course content, it's just opened up different avenues of, of writing life that that isn't there in other courses. It's very hard to explain, but I think it's a vibe. It feels like a family where, but there's no hierarchy. I mean, we know you're the bosses, obviously, lots of respect, but you are you are warts and all as well. You know, if it goes wrong, you tell us. Yeah. And not many writing tutors do that. Yeah, it's, it's lovely to or, do that. Yeah, or if we're 20 minutes late for the interview. <laughs> I, I apologise yeah, for that. Yeah. We were waffling. We were waffling. Yeah, we so. actually recorded next week's podcast before this this interview yeah. as well. So it's like... I mean, even on a bad moment. week, um, I, I started doing the 200 words a day challenge, like everybody does have a go at, and I so wanted to keep up or try and catch up with Mark Hood. It's obviously never going to happen. But I, I, mean, I started reading him and I loved, love his work. Unbelievable. And I thought, I'm going to do 200. If he can do all those within 200 and obviously a bit of talent, I think I can try and do the 200 words. And I did 141 days, didn't I, or something, wow. at the start of last year. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then I amazing. got really busy with rugs because it tends to be a sort of a, a late spring to summer is the mad time. They were about to come into that. And there was one day that I genuinely just didn't get round to it. And I was heartbroken. And I just, oh, my God, I've had a really bad, oh, my God, this is terrible. And I remember admitting it on something. And you, Mark D, you just said, that is brilliant. You have achieved 141 days in a row. Now, when you feel ready, you can just start again. And, and, and it was, oh, so the world will still keep turning. <laughs> so you know it's things like that I mean it might sound really trivial but I think to me I never feel a failure while I'm linked with the academy never even if I have a bad week and I don't write anything you're always learning you're always thinking you're always picking things up I mean I've got I've got stuff that I've yet to fill printed off all over the place <laughs> it's one of the courses final acts and endings workbook brilliant brilliant yeah, well, it's always it's always something new, isn't it? When I wrote Made of Steel, I had to change that ending once, if not twice, and I've right. never done anything like this before. So, yeah, the, co- the course content is completely different. Fantastic. And if, if there's someone listening to this now and they're on the fence about joining the Academy, is there any advice that, that you give them? If you can afford it, do it. Get everyone together to club together in your family and buy buy Christmas presents and, and just do it. Because even if you're only a member for a year, and I plan to do another at least half a year, because I came to you with this book written, now I'm beginning the second one. I can go through the whole process of the second book from scratch. Whereas obviously some of these, 
oh, I don't need these, I thought, well, yeah, I bloody did because I had to change the endings, didn't I? So I can start and go through all the course content. So if you're anywhere in your writing journey or books, but you want, I don't know, it's a breath of fresh air, but with loads of learning, a lot of fun, lots of laughs, just come and join the Academy because you you will not regret it. will not regret it. And you can, I'm writing thinking you can... Dip out after a while as soon as you've done, or, or stay longer. Yeah, you know, a lot of people. Out. A lot of people think the academy is, you know, for a year, and you have to write a book in a year, which is a misconception because it it takes you as long as it takes you to write a book. There are some people who are retired who have a lot of time on their hands. There are other people like yourself, Kate. It's like juggling three million things at once. So it's we're here to support people all the way through their writing journey for however long they get they feel there's support there, and that's really why we set up, and that's the reason why we've done it as well because a lot of institutions are very much based around this is our schedule this is our semester and you start on this date and you're on this date it's, it's like that doesn't work with a writer's life today so yeah it's a new kind of scenario i also think the reason it's good to be in the academy for a period of time is you don't know what questions to ask until you start doing the courses or start writing or start having your critiques or you go and do your one-to-ones with other people and you can share your experiences in the forums and then then you think well actually I didn't know that so then in the next craft co- coaching you can you can ask a question and okay you might be able to sort of send an email to somebody but I think you know that because you two get to know your academates quite well yeah. Yeah. then you know that that person's asking from that point of view and then they can share it with the others on that so I think you need an extended period of time to in order to find yourself as a writer because you're changing as a writer all the time I'm not the same writer now that I was when I started this book. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And you and you know that now because you've been through that process as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, listen, Kate, it's been so wonderful having you on this Academy's All-Stars episode. And we just want to say thank you to you for being such a massive inspiration, yeah. not just in the Academy, but now, you know, as you go out into the world with your book, the things that you're doing are... <laughs> and that's your lovely dog with you as well. The things that you're doing and the way in which you are embracing this journey rather than being paralyzed by it and, and, and being worried by it is it's a wonderful wonderful uh, way for other people to kind of look at what you're doing we've always said this and we say this in the podcast and we say this in the academy when you start to create your own and, and break your own through and your own goals and your, your own ambitions you're not just creating that for yourself and fulfilling that huge dream as we said, Mark and I said, you know, Kate is living the dream now. She's living the dream. But what you're doing is you're inspiring every single other person who's maybe a little bit behind where you're at right now, or maybe, you know, stuck in a, in a fear cycle of something of not putting their work out there. And we want to thank you for being courageous and breaking through all those challenges and getting out there. And we just want to wish you every massive success with your amazing book and as excitingly what you create now in the future as well, because, you know, this is the beginning of, well, it's not the beginning of your story, but it's very much, your story is very much in full flow now. So yeah, absolutely massive congratulations on everything you've done to make this happen. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without you two. And that is, that is the truth. And it's been an absolute honor to share this journey of this book with you guys. And I'm really looking forward to the next. And thank you for having me on. Brilliant. And now uh, before we go, Kate, where can people find the book? Where can they come find you? Um, you can obviously get it on Amazon, ebook or paperback, but you can also get it from the, the Book Guild. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I can I can send you the link to the book guild. Yep, I get some more notes. money if you get if you send it to the, if you buy it from the book guild. Um, but also it's on Waterstones, um, online Waterstones, WH Smith, um, or me personally. If, if, if I got if I got my bottom in gear with my um, website, which is up and running, um, people could actually contact me and I could send them a signed copy. So that's even more exciting. But. Brilliant. Fantastic. Links in the show notes, folks. Links in the show notes. Kate, thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy. Uh, it's see, seeing, you know, Made of Steel become a reality has been one one of my, you know, Peter. just it's what we did the Academy for. And absolutely, it's, uh, you, yeah. yeah, you said it, Mark. It's the reason why we did this. So, so I'm, I'm really proud to be one of your academics. And uh, like I said, Brilliant. thank you very, very much. Awesome. All the best, Kate. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kate.